following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. So I want to take your attention to a story in the Word of God that might be a little, um, a little bit different for a service like this today, but I just felt the Lord leading me here. Mark chapter 6, verse 1, and it starts like this. Then he, speaking of Jesus, he went out from there and he came to his own country. So Jesus comes back to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. So Jesus, has, he's come back home, he's with his disciples, and he, he just begins to, as Jesus does, he just begins to drop some nuggets of wisdom, just some amazing things that people are, are really latching on to. And in this, in this arena, have you ever seen, maybe it's a TV show, I don't know what that looks like, but somebody who has garnered some type of fame and accolades and you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm thinking of like, you, you see this on like an American Idol show or some kind of The Voice show where they're, they, they make it really far and then they come home, you know, and, and you see the, re- I'm thinking specifically last weekend of the Texas A&M golfer uh, who qualified to play in the Masters. He was an amateur, he, college player playing with pros and he does some really, really crazy things. He, he was the only amateur to make the cut. He, he's an Aggie, but we still love him. God bless him. His first round, 68, was the first bogey-free round by an amateur at Augusta National since 1965. He finished tied for 16th place amongst the best golfers in the world. It's one of the best amateur finishes at the Masters ever. He was the talk of the tournament. He accomplished some amazing things over that weekend, but what's fun to watch is when he comes home. The headlines in his local newspaper and online read as such, Masters Amateur is given a hero's welcome as he arrives back home. And as his plane lands, people are there to go wild for him and to clap for him and to celebrate him. And this This is the reaction that if you were Jesus that you might be expecting as you come back to your hometown, you come back and you've obviously done some pretty amazing things, some spectacular things along the way, much greater things than any amateur golfer would do. And so I don't know what he was expecting, but in my mind, this would be the kind of reception that I would expect for one Jesus Christ. This should be be Jesus. He should garner this response. And he's blowing people's mind everywhere he goes with things that he's saying. And let's watch what happens. Let's see where this story goes as he walks back into his hometown. So he's teaching, and then the scripture says this, and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? Okay, we're on the right track here. They're just, they're kind of blown away. Maybe this is going in the right direction. And what wisdom is this which is given to him? So they're, they're like, wow. They're kind of enamored with what Jesus is saying, that such mighty works are performed by his hands. 
So this is, this, is going, this is going the right way. They're saying, yeah, this man is wise. We're not denying the miraculous things that he's done. But let's see where it goes. Watch, watch, watch. Verse 3. Watch what they say next. Is this? Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. And are, are not his sisters here with us? Like, And they were offended at him. Side note, just for some of you, this really has nothing to do with where we're going today. But some of you have been working your entire life to win and please people that just don't want to be won over. It doesn't matter how much wisdom you have. It doesn't matter how good you are or what you do for them. It doesn't matter how many miracles you perform. There's just going to be people in your life that say, well, isn't that, isn't that the, the carpenter's son? The, isn't that little Johnny? I mean, I, we knew his sisters since they were just wee little lads. I knew his mama and daddy back in the day. Didn't they live in that neighborhood over there? Didn't his daddy used to work at the grocery store? Didn't they go to school? That's the same, that's the same guy, isn't it? See, you don't have to do anything for people to dislike you. <laughs> there going to be some people that just don't like you. Anytime you rise above what they deem appropriate... They start judging you. When you start doing things that they think are better than what they're doing. <clears throat> well, who do they think they are? And this, this, is, this is what's happening to Jesus. He's... He's been amazing. He's done nothing to garner this type of attention. But this, instead of a hero's welcome, this is the response that he gets. They were offended by Jesus. What, you're offended by, by miracles? What? But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, amongst his own relatives, and in his own house. Watch, watch. Now he could do no mighty work there. Except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people. And he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And I've got, I've got two quick things that I want to share with you on this Sunday morning that I want you to wrap your heads I want you to grab a hold of it and squeeze it as tight as you can two things the first one is found in verse 5 it says this he could do no mighty work in his hometown except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them and here's what I want you to understand today his power was never the problem His power was never the problem. The Bible says that even in his hometown, I mean, he, he laid his hands on a few sick people and they were healed. So it had absolutely nothing to do with the power that he had in his hands because his power had just been on display. 
Watch. So this story takes place in Mark chapter 6. Let's, let's hit the rewind button. We're going back to Mark chapter 1. We're wondering if his power is a problem. And I'm just trying to encourage you today. If you're wondering if he has enough power to meet the need that you wrote on that wall, I need you to know that his power, his power is not the problem. Watch. Mark chapter 1. Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. I wonder if Simon was okay with that. Mark cha- Just kidding. It's a mother-in-law joke. It's a joke. Y'all ain't right. Why are y'all laughing at that? (laughs) And in the very next verse, watch what happens. After he heals Simon's mother-in-law, it says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. This is all in Mark chapter 1. Watch, watch, watch. Mark chapter 1, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Power. Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 2, see if his, if his power stopped there. Mark chapter 2, he heals and forgives a paralyzed man who had to be lowered through the roof by some of his buddies to get to Jesus. Mark chapter 3, let's keep going. Is, is, is his power limited? Jesus tells a man who had a withered hand to stretch forth his hand. And guess what? When he stretched forth his hand, it was completely restored. Okay, maybe he stops there. Let's check in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, the disciples feared for their lives as they were on a boat and a storm popped up. And they, they were so scared, these seasoned fishermen, that they literally went and woke Jesus up and said, Hey, get up. Come do something. And Jesus says, oh, Okay. And he does, and he calms the waves, and he calms the winds to the point that the disciples literally make this statement. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? I got good news for you. If what you're walking through today, the thing that you wrote on that board is an external circumstance... If it's not something that you created on your own, if the winds of change have been blowing, if the storms of come on, he's got all power in his hands to take care. Is his power the problem? I don't know. It's, it's there in Mark chapter 4, but maybe, maybe Mark chapter 5 is where it stops. Mark chapter 5, Jesus delivers a demon-possessed man and he heals a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years as she presses through the crowd. This is is wild, y'all. She touches just the hem of his garment. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's people pressing all around. His disciples are with him. He's walking through crowds. And she presses all the way just to get to his garment. And he says, whoa, I felt virtue flow from my body. Who just touched me? He didn't even have to touch her. She was just willing to press through and touch him, and that was enough. So surely that's where it's, no, it doesn't stop there. Same story. Jesus heals Jairus' daughter, but beyond healing her, she's dead. And Jesus says, Hey, little girl, 
Stand up. You're just sleeping. Get up. If you're wondering if his, his power is in question, I need you to know that he can take care of whatever need you have in your life. But, but here, here's the question. Here's what blows it. Here's what I don't understand. I do understand, and I'm about to explain it to you. Here's what blows my mind. His power had been on display in Mark chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 in such a mighty and miraculous way that we get to Mark chapter 6 and Jesus walks back into his hometown. And uh, almost fell over. I put the brakes on strong. He gets to his hometown, and the miracles stop. Now, you got to explain this. I don't understand why this happened. His power is obviously not the problem because he holds all power in his hands. He just raised a little girl from the dead. He made the winds and the waves calm down. We just saw it. It was just on display, but he gets to his hometown. And he chooses to limit his miraculous demonstration. Did you catch that? He chose to limit his miraculous demonstration. And, and maybe you're wondering why, and I've got the answer for you. The reason that he limited his miraculous works in his hometown was because of the preconceived ideas of who they thought that he was. The reason that he didn't perform the miraculous in crazy amounts in his hometown was because when he got home, the welcome that he received was, was as of such. Is that the carpenter's son? Like, didn't, didn't I bring my plow to you and your daddy and y'all fixed it? Like, is this who I'm, this is, this is who I, the reason that he chose to limit his miraculous demonstration was because of the preconceived ideas that the people had about him in his hometown. And I've got a question for you today. Who do you think that he is? As we write on our belief for a wall and we're trusting and we're believing God for some miraculous and some crazy things. I want to ask you today, what have you built up in your mind about who Jesus is? Is he just a symbol of a figure that hangs on your wall? Is he... Is he, just, is he just a good teacher? Has culture and society caused you to believe that I don't, I don't really know who this Jesus is because I'm telling you, your preconceived ideas about who Jesus is is the thing that's going to limit his miraculous work in your life. 
They boxed him in. Their preconceived ideas about who he was limited what he did for them. Their closed-mindedness kept them from experiencing all that Jesus had for them. Because he had grown up there, all they could see him as was a little old Jesus, the carpenter's son, Joseph's son. What they believed about him caused him to slam on the brakes of his miraculous power and work in their life. And the Bible says this in verse 6, that he marveled at their unbelief. Most of the time when Jesus marvels at faith, it's in a, in a fantastic way. I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel, he said to the centurions. He, he, I mean, he, he generally marvels at the massive amount of faith that people have, but in his hometown, he's marveling at their unbelief. What he's saying is, I, I'm so shocked that you're so familiar with me and still don't believe that I can do for you what I've been doing in Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 5. You're so familiar with me. You're used to doing things a certain way. You've grown familiar with me because you've grown up in church your whole life and you've seen it happen one way and, and everything. It's not packaged the way that you're so. See, this is where some of us are. We're so close to him that you grew up in a religious tradition that said the miraculous and God blessing you and, and having favor on your life is not the way that it should be. And we've, some of us are so familiar that it's caused us to have some preconceived ideas about who he is. And see, some of us on the flip side, we grew up in a house, in a home, in a culture, in society that said that God isn't real. He doesn't exist, that he was just a good teacher, that he just, he's a, he was a wise man. And so you have built up some preconceived ideas in your mind about who you think he is. And I wonder today, I wonder today if you can start to smash the preconceived ideas about who you think Jesus is. And you can take a step of faith that just says, you know what? I may not know everything that there is to know about this, but I know what I feel on the inside. And I know what I feel is right right now. I feel the presence of the, and I'm going to take a step of faith. And I'm going to tear down all the boxes of the preconceived ideas that I have about him. And I'm going to believe that what he did in Mark chapter 1, and Mark chapter 2, and Mark chapter 3, and 4, and 5, that he's going to do for me in this house today. What he's saying, he's saying, I marvel at your unbelief. You don't know what I would have done if you would have just believed. I marvel at your unbelief. You don't know what I would have changed in your life if you would have only believed. 
You don't know the work that I would have done in your family if you would have only believed. You don't know what I would have touched in your body if you would have only just believed. You don't know what I would have brought back to life if you would have only just believed. Would you stand with me all across the room? I feel faith rising in the house right now. I feel the presence of the Lord in this room. Let me give you some instructions on how the remainder of our time together are going to go. I want to invite right now our prayer partners to join me around the front, our board of directors and their spouses to join me around the front. Prayer partners are going to stand just like they normally do right around here. Our board of directors are going to stand right on the other side of them facing me. We're going to stretch out all across this altar space today. Now listen, this is, this is going to be amazing. See, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, we used to, we used to have these things called prayer lines. Now, what this is going to do today, you'll notice we didn't have prayer partners during the middle of our service today. This, this, this is taking the place of our prayer partners for today. And here's what you need to know. The men and women that stand before you today, they're men and women of the Lord. They love the, are they perfect people? No, they're not. But they love the Lord, and they've seen the Lord do some amazing things in their life. And God's hand is on them, and God is with them. And here's, here's all we're doing today. Here's what we're believing for. We want to partner with you in prayer. And believe with you and pray with you about the thing that you wrote on that wall. We, we want you to understand that you're not on your own. That there's people in the room today that have been praying for you for months and weeks. They've been praying for your need, though they don't know the details of it. They've been asking the Lord. This is why we moved our seven days of prayer to this week, every night. If you've been here, you know that we've been praying specifically for the needs that you are going to walk into this room and this house with today. And so here, here's, here's what we're believing God for. When you step out of your seat in just a second, I need you to walk out of your seat stepping on the boxes of your preconceived ideas about what your mama taught you about Jesus, about what college taught you about Jesus, about what you grew up. And I need you to just say, Lord, I believe that you're my healer. I believe that you're my deliverer and I can't make you do it, but I want you to know the desires of my heart and you see what I need from you today. You see my circumstances in the room today and I'm asking you to be the God of the Bible. Be that same God in my life today. And we're just going to see what God's going to do. Our worship team, they're going to be singing in just a moment, but to, to keep chaos down... We're going to do this orderly, okay? I'm going to dismiss by sections. And all you're going to do, here, here's the flow of how it's going to work. I'm going to start over here. Don't leave yet. You're going to walk around the back here. You'll see we've got our ushers. They're going to lead you. You're going to walk all the way around here. The line's going to start right over here, okay? You see Cassidy waving her hand over there. You're going to walk right through here. And as you walk through, 
This isn't going to get crazy. It's not going to get out of order. It's going to be done right, and God's going to bless it. As you walk through, they're just going to simply put their hand on your back or on your shoulder, and they're just going to say, Lord, let your will be done. These people are going to be praying for you as you come through. And then once you walk through the flow, it's just like this. You walk right through here. You come right around. You see we've got more ushers for you right under this camera. If you're tall, don't hit your head on the camera. And then you're going to make your way right back to your seat, okay? We're going to give everybody a chance. We're not, we're not praying for one thing specifically, okay? If you wrote something on that wall, or maybe you didn't even write it on the wall, and you're saying something just hit me right now that I need God to do in my life. We want to invite you down. Now, here's, here's the first group that I want to dismiss. I want to dismiss the, from right here that are on the floor, okay? This group right here, all the way over to the edge. If anybody in your section wants to be prayed for, you can step out and go behind and start making your way around here, okay? And as you guys start to come that way, once the line forms, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dismiss this whole section of the risers, okay, from the sound booth over, okay? So we're going to let them make their way a little bit. And if you're in the audience today, listen, I know this is, this is out of the norm, but serve it. Listen, my preaching wasn't long today. I told y'all. So I need you to stay with me if you can, and I need you to pray because it's going to be your turn in just a minute. I need you to pray for your friends that are walking through here, that though you don't know the need, that you're going to ask God to do a work, that, they're gonna do, that he's going to do the miraculous in their life. Let's worship together today. Yeah.